everybody welcome to another baseball america podcast i'm kyle glazer here to break down the giant system with you today and to do that we're joined by josh norris who took over writing the giants top 10 prospects for us at baseball america this year josh the giants have had three straight losing seasons they let madison bumgarner walk in free agency they non-tendered kevin pillar this is a team with its full focus on the future you did this farm system it's vastly improved from a few years ago how bright is that future and how far away is it? Because this is a Giants club not used to going through a rebuild, but after three straight losing seasons and at least one or two more on the horizon, that's where they are. It was interesting because I you know, didn't know a whole lot about this system coming in. I took this over kind of spur of the moment because uh, one of our guys left and someone had to do it, so I did. Um, and besides Joey Bart, who we ranked number two, who was fairly close, and Ramos, who was fairly close, a lot of this system is far away. Uh, Logan Webb is pretty he's, he's in the big leagues too, but uh, he fell just out of the top 10. But it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, the Yankees system in a way that there's a lot of young talent at the lower levels. You know, Alexander Canario, uh, number one, Marco Luciano, uh, Luis Toribio, uh, Seth Corey is pretty far away. Luis Matos, Sean Jelly is just got to double A. Uh, guys like that uh, are far away, but they have high upsides. And they did add another guy like uh, Will Wilson from the Angels in the trade late in the handbook process, who is also falls under the classification of far away, but talented. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that really stands out to me is you look at the Giants and you map them out three, four years from now, there's going to be a lot of open positions. Um, obviously, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria, Buster Posey are all in their 30s in the decline phase of their careers. Mike Yastrzemski came up and, and had a good season last year. Um, you know, he's probably the one position player. Maybe Alex Dickerson, if he stays healthy, you can pencil in with the future. The pitching staff is also mostly older. Johnny Cueto, Justin Marja, Kevin Gosman, who they signed this year, Drew Smiley. There's a lot of opportunities for these young players to come up and, and become starters for the Giants two, three, four years from now. There's not a lot of potential blocked paths. With that, I want to start with Joey Bart. He came in at number two behind Marco Luciano. However, he is the closest to the big leagues and potentially could be there this year. What were some of the things you were hearing about him? And then with that, what ultimately pushed him behind Marco Luciano down from number one last year to number two this year in the Giants system? It's not so much that Bart got pushed down as Marco Luciano shot up. Uh, you know, Luciano hit 10 bombs in 38 games in the AZL, you know, uh, OPS a thousand plus then had a little cup of coffee in Salem Kaiser before he got hurt, but people raved about him. Uh, we found he has an average exit velocity of about 92.3 miles an hour. He just shows everything to be one of these guys that never stops coming. The, the Wander Francos, the Vlad Guerrero juniors, the Julio Rodriguez's, the Juan Soto's of the world. Uh, all those, the next in the line of these young talented Latin guys who get up at a really early age and are, have superstar futures. Uh, to pivot back to the early part of that question, Joey Bart, you know, he's, he still shows, you know, the ability to, to hit for a decent average. We have him as a 45 hitter uh, going forth. Got plus power, uh, average defender behind the plate with a plus throwing arm. That's a really, really good prospect. And in most systems, that'd be number one. But 
uh, Marco Luciano has all the markings of a superstar and you, know, you put your superstars number one unless you have more of them. Yeah, Luciano was the number one international prospect in his class. And we've seen those guys uh, really start to come up faster than in previous years. I think a lot of times we assume that these are national guys that sign at 16, they'll come up 23, 24. It's, it's a long-term development process. But the top, top guys, as you mentioned, some of them, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis Jr., all reached the majors by 20. Does Luciano show the ability to maybe be in the majors by 20 like those guys? Is this guy from that same cloth? Because those are franchise cornerstone type of players. Yeah, I mean, we ranked him as a 65 very high, and uh, I think I wanted to rank him a little higher. Uh, Grade-wise, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, grade-wise, OFP, whatever you want to call our BA grades. Uh, He has that potential. He's going to – he has the ability to move very quickly. I don't think you expected him to get out of the AZL as a 17-year-old, his first full pro season. But this guy, you know, he could move like a Glaber Torres type guy uh, who I think some people have compared him to. I mean, that kind of offense, different body. I, I think somewhere in the process, they said, you know, he probably needs a little bit of more work defensively than offensively. But this is the kind of guy whose bat won't let you let his defense develop his bat will just keep pushing him through the system and he might get there with stuff still still to work on. He might be that kind of player who could be a face of the franchise. And that's something the Giants definitely need moving forward. Again, they've had a lot of face the franchise at perennial all-star types really over the past decade, helped them win three World Series. And, you know, in a lot of cases, this was the best stretch in Giants history, not just San Francisco Giants history, but go all the way back to the New York Giants as well in terms of championships and how consistently competitive they were. Um, but obviously there's a little bit of a cyclical nature to all that. And now it's time for these new guys to come up and having someone like a Marco Luciano, again, there's risk. He's far away. This is still a teenager, but he's showing all the signs of those potential superstars. And with that, you know, with Joey Bart, one of the interesting things to me that stands out with him is he did not have this explosive overall season from a slash line perspective. But you have to take the context into account. He was hit by a pitch on his hand earlier in the year, broke a bone in his hand, missed six weeks. And then I remember talking to him at the Futures game. He said it took him from the time he got back like another month to really feel his full grip strength come back. But if you just look at from July 9th through the end of the season, which included a promotion to A Richmond, one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in the country, basically from the time he was feeling fully healthy, he hit 303 with a 347 on base percentage and a 530 slugging percentage with 10 homers in 46 games. We saw real Joey Bart the final half of the season post Futures game. I saw him a little bit like Elsinore. That is some easy, easy power. And I remember you mentioned the 45 hit grade. I talked to some evaluators who thought, you know, when he was fully healthy, you could bump that to a 50 even, maybe even a little higher. It seems like this is an impact player behind the plate. And as you said, it's not about him falling as much as Marco Luciano shooting up. Yeah, and Richmond is a hard hitter's park at home. He had an OPS of 671. In the 10 games on the road, he had an OPS of 1222. So almost double, maybe even slightly less than double. So yeah, uh, Richmond did kind of hide some of his abilities in that small sample size. And they wanted to get him back on track in the fall league, but he broke his hand uh, again. So didn't get quite uh, the bats that they wanted him to get. One thing they also mentioned to me in this process was there's a reason he keeps getting hit on the hand. 
And that's because there's a bit of a hole on the inside part of the plate. Fitchers try to bust him in and he keeps getting hit there. So he's going to need to close that hole in the future uh, to get that hit tool up to a 50 at the very least. Elliot Ramos took up the number three spot. How much debate was there to have him at number two with Joey Bart or even maybe down to number four? Or was it just Ramos's the clear-cut number three with Luciano the clear one, Bart the clear number two? That's it. I mean, one, two, three was fairly easy. Uh, there was maybe five seconds of thought to that. That was it. Um, you have a guy like Bart who could stick at a premium defensive position and given his offensive abilities, uh, you have a guy who could be an all-star. Um, so that was pretty easy. All-star catcher, I would take over the probable corner outfielder, but not. it wouldn't be out of line to see Ramos play center field. But uh, they have some other guys who might play center field before him. Either way, he's a really good prospect. We gave him a 60 high. I mean, Joey Bart and uh, Ramos are the same grade. So we think of them as pretty close prospects, but I was going to take the catcher over the outfielder. Yeah, and Ramos definitely uh, still has some things to work on. Bart hit better when he got to double A, but Bart's also a college guy who was older. Ramos was uh, the, one of the youngest players in his draft class, got to double A in his age 19 season. And, and I got to watch him a bit in San Jose, and it's really interesting because you know, he doesn't fit the typical, ooh, wow, look at that, you know, body profile. He's a thicker guy. Like, he's built a little more like a, a bowling ball running back type than a traditional center fielder. But you watch him play, he's a really good center fielder, gets great jumps, gets to every ball, made an incredible catch at the California League All-Star game. Really quick bat, um, you know, showed a really good swing with some growing power in there, had 40 extra base hits in just over 100 games last year. And you know, he played in two pitcher-friendly parks. Uh, people don't realize San Jose in the Cal League is extremely pitcher-friendly. That's a graveyard for power. And uh, he held his own there. And then, um, you know, moving to Richmond as a young player, did okay, did not do terribly. So I think there's definitely a lot of potential here, and I feel like he sometimes gets lost behind the Luciano Bart group. Um, but to me, this gives the Giants three premium prospects they can grow with, all of whom you know have a case to be in the top 50 in baseball. I do think if you're a Giants fan, and look, it's going to be rough this year and probably next year too, you can look down on the farm and see these guys, and, and potentially I think we'll see there's a chance all three are up within two years, maybe three. Uh, yeah, if you want to be, really if you want to be aggressive, aggressive on Luciano, oh, yeah, you can absolutely be aggressive on Luciano and say, uh, the other two would get their two, three years. Absolutely. That's perfectly, uh, uh, not aggressive, not conservative. As a matter of fact, in our 2023 lineup, we have, uh, we have Ramos at center field. We have Bard at catcher and we have Luciano at shortstop. So about three years, maybe less than that. After the top three is where the system kind of gets interesting to me because I feel like, as you mentioned, the top three, it's pretty clear cut. Here's one, two, three, no debates. Four to 10, you have a number of prospects who kind of hit a whole bunch of different profiles, risk factors. Um, I want to talk to you about Seth Corey and Sean Jelly, two pitchers who showed some really good things this year. I think that from the outside looking in, you might say, oh, they're number four and five or five and six. You dropped them a little lower behind three position players, Hunter Bishop, Alexander Canario, Luis Trubio, all of whom are in the lowest levels in the minors. What for you put these three position players up above those pitchers? Uh, Bishop carried a pretty good pedigree with him. Granted, he struggled mightily uh, in Salem-Kaiser, 
and you know, pro scouts were not particularly uh, enamored of him. He has some holes that he needs to close, and there were questions coming out of the draft about whether he would need to hit. Um, again, the pro scouts didn't necessarily believe he would, but at some point you say, you know, there's a bigger sample size in the amateur world, and uh, that might be closer to the player he is. He might have, you know, jumped into a, a, a level a little above his pedigree at that point. Um, so you give him a little bit of a chance there. Uh, Canario has been on the radar for a long time. He had a really good year in Salem Kaiser as a 19-year-old, and you know he showed the ability to hit for average, hit for some power. Uh, he's probably going to be a corner guy, but he got on base too. He made a lot of contact. So he's got some things to work with. Uh, and then down the list at six, uh, Toribio, they really like another 18-year-old. or Yeah, he was 18 most of the season. He did really well in the AZL as well, 436 on base. That's pretty good. They believe he can play third base. He can have uh, the ability to get on base and hit for some power. I mean, these are young Latin guys who uh, have, did a lot of positive things at a young age at advanced levels. Uh, Corey at number seven, you know, he had a really, really good year. In particular, he had a really, really good second half. Uh, but there still needs to be a further refinement in the command uh, for him to get to the levels the Giants want. He made great strides in that area, but there needs to be a little more there. Uh, one of the best seasons by a pitcher in the minor leagues, but he did it all entirely at low A. And, you know, you would figure at some point there would be at least a promotion to San Jose, but there wasn't. So that tells me they were still working on a few things that may have not, might not have been uh, noticeable on the back of the baseball card. Uh, and then Jelly, really interesting guy, but he's more of a, a back-end starter type. You know, he's an opposing guy, obviously, at 6'11", 230. But he is interesting in that he's a, a guy who they – steer away from their normal way they want their pitchers to pitch typically they they want their guys to use their fastballs at the top of the zone and then tunnel the curveballs down from that well he drives his fastball down to the bottom of the zone where it's more effective and you know none of his stuff is uh plus grade you got a 55 fastball 50 curveball 50 changeup, 50 control and that's a back-end starter which is a really nice thing but uh i'd hope it not be in the top five of a system or anything like that one thing with Sean Jelly that I thought was really interesting, and people talked about this all year, is just how athletic he is. 6'11 pitchers, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, long limbs, difficult to repeat that. We see that time and time again. But he actually has a pretty compact delivery. He repeats it well. And a number of scouts who saw him both at low class A Augusta, high class A San Jose, and at double A Richmond all said the same thing to me that this is normally the athleticism from a 6'11 guy you see on the basketball court. Like the 6'11 guys that are this athletic don't normally play baseball. They go play basketball. And I thought that was interesting because with that level of athleticism, and you know, he's still a pretty skinny guy. Even though he's a college guy, he's really lanky. There's still some room to fill out. I almost did feel like there, there might be room for him to maybe even still grow into some more stuff. And, you know, I remember talking to some evaluators when they first saw him like, hey, I like him. I think he's a number five starter. Then a little later than there, it's like, you know, he might be a number four. Here's X, Y, and Z. And then by the end of the year, I had one or two say, you know, he could end up being a number three starter just because the athleticism, the repeatability, the stuff's good. There's room to grow. 
I feel like this is a guy that might have a chance to give the Giants a, a good young starter in the majors in a year or two, which is something they need. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But the your point to the athleticism is borne out by 28 walks in 103 innings, which is tells me that you can repeat that delivery. But one thing that might concern me a little bit is his strikeout rate dropped at every level. He went from 9.7 uh, per nine at Augusta to 8.6 at high A and then uh, 7.5 per nine in Richmond. So I think to get to a mid rotation starter, you're going to need to strike out more guys. Uh, he also got hit pretty hard in Richmond. Uh, so there's probably some, some stuff to work on there, but you know, there's a, there's, it wouldn't be out of the question at number three, but I think that's more of his, you know, 10% ceiling rather than his likelihood of a back end guy. Mauricio Dubon, who was acquired from the Brewers in the Drew Pomeranz trade uh, at the trade deadline, made his way to uh, number 10 spot in the system. Was this a clear top 10? Was there a separation here? Or how many other guys were in the debate for the top 10? Uh, Webb would have been there. Um, I could have seen Beck there. Will Wilson, he mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah, he would have thought about it too. Logan Wyatt as well at number 13, but uh, probably not. Dubon, I settled on just for proximity. He's going to get a lot of chance this year. Uh, he has big league experience. He's going to be versatile. Sounds like they're going to they have a chance to play him in the outfield this year. They just made a, an acquisition that might put him to the outfield a little bit. Um, he's just a he's a really high character guy who can do a lot of things and might hit a little bit more than expected. He's been you know acquired in a couple of trades now. He's originally a Red Sox. And dealt to the Brewers uh, in the Tyler Thornburg deal, if I remember correctly, and then the Giants. So yeah, he he eventually settled there for proximity and versatility. Yeah, again, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people see Will Wilson as being maybe what Mauricio Dubon has become, and that's where to me it makes sense to, to have Dubon uh, up at top ten. I remember we talked about Will Wilson just knowing the Angel system on my end, and ultimately it was he really did not stand out to a lot of evaluators in rookie ball. At the same time, you understand why the Giants made this deal, trying to acquire as much prospect capital as they can. This was a first rounder just last June, and again, you never want to go too crazy if a guy isn't the best he's ever looked in his pro debut after a long college season. There's definitely a chance the Giants got something there, but I remember talking three, four years ago, you look at the Giants system and you're like, okay, Aramis Garcia, Chris Shaw, you know, guys like that were the, the top of the top. Now it does feel like there's a lot more to this system. And again, that's intentional. They've started trading veterans for prospects. They started picking near the top of the draft. They've significantly invested internationally. And this is the result of an intentional pivot. But I do think the Giants system is in a better place than it was a few years ago. Now, of course, the flip side is the big league team is in a much worse place than it was a few years ago. Yeah, that's what, what all of what you said is true. Um, they have a lot to look forward to on the farm. Uh, they've got some wild cards at the end of the system in Blake Rivera, Kaiway Tang, who they got in the, the Twins deal. Jake Wong is an interesting guy. I love Gregory Santos myself, but he was hurt. Um, they really, there's, there are pitching evaluators who really love Jose Marte in that system and believe he might be the top pitching prospect in the system. Um, he's got nasty stuff, but you know, there's a very small chance he starts. Um, so yeah, they, they've got stuff to look forward to and, but it just might not be in San Francisco this year. Yeah, with that, because the ultimate question I think everyone wants to know is how long until this talented system becomes a winning major league team in San Francisco? 
it'll be a couple of years. Like we said, you know, web, uh, not web, Bart is maybe a year away, depending on how he progresses this year. Uh, Ramos might be a little behind that. Once you get Luciano up there, then you probably are going to start talking about a system that, uh, or a team that is on the cusp of contending. It also depends. I mean, are the Dodgers just going to keep adding top five players in the game? What's going to happen there? Uh, are the Padres going to move up that that list too? I mean, is there young talent going to coalesce and make them, you know, one and one A with the Dodge with the Dodgers? Uh, if those two teams keep being as strong as they can, then you're going to have trouble, you know. Uh, but with the got with the top three of their system and the, you know. Uh, the other group guys behind them, especially at the lower levels, there is hope on the horizon there. And I should note too, that the Giants did an interesting job this off season of adding a lot of really smart pro scouts to their staff. Uh, there was a lot of guys who lost their job and the Giants picked up four or five of them, just like nothing. And that's not insignificant. They beefed up their pro staff with some really talented young guys. And not just young guys, but really talented guys. And that's critical. We see so often, you know, the pro scouts don't get the appreciation they deserve, but they play such an integral role. And ultimately, building the right big league team and making the right decisions on players, who to trade away, who to keep. And, you know, uh, a right decision here can yield great, great rewards down the road. And the Giants have built the infrastructure. And now it's a matter of getting the players up through the system and developed. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time and insight. And we'll see if this farm system can ultimately get the Giants back to where they were at the start of the decade. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. That'll do it for this edition of the Baseball America Prospect Podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. Also, this is a great time to subscribe to Baseball America. Our college preview issue is out. Our major league preview issue is coming up. Prospect Handbook is arriving on doorsteps now. If you order direct from BaseballAmerica.com, this is the time of year you'll want to subscribe. So go ahead and check out uh, all our subscription options on BaseballAmerica.com. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody.